Sometimes I feel like heaven comes down. Sometimes I feel like heaven comes down. Sometimes I feel like heaven comes down. Heaven comes down on me. to praise Him for, don't we? Praise the Lord. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians, if you would, tonight. Chapter 6, verse 15. He has been so good to all of us. Amen. I want to speak to you tonight on the church and separation. Probably one of the most misunderstood things about us as um, message followers is that the way we dress, the things that we do, the things that we don't do, certain guidelines, things that we have that <clears throat> people look at us and think we're really weird and strange. And what's amazing is that a worldly woman can wear a skirt somewhere and people's okay with that. But if a godly woman wears one every day, then people think, what is wrong with her? She go to the skirt church? or But a worldly woman could do it, and it would be okay. That, that is so pretty. You look so good in that. So I wonder what the difference is, why that, you know, because of that. But we know it's more than, than dress. And I guess I want to present this in the form of a question was, did the early church believe in separation? Did they preach, practice, teach separation? Y'all know the answer already, right? Well, what I'm going to do is help stabilize the answer. So instead of you shaking your head like this, you can go. You're going to be even more convinced. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. What concord, and the word concord means agreement, what concord has Christ with Belial, which means wickedness, or this is another term used in the Greek for Satan. So what agreement has Christ with Satan? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I'll tell you one thing. If you didn't have anything to praise him for, time we get done reading this scripture, you ought to have. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Amen. Wherefore, come out 
from among them and be ye separate. Now, I want you to read with me the meaning of this Greek word that Paul used whenever he wrote this. The word, our English word, what it renders is divide or sever, to mark off from others by boundaries. In other words, do's and don'ts, can's and can'ts. Right? So we mark off by boundaries. To limit, to separate, to exclude as disreputable, to appoint, set apart from some, for some purpose. Now, with that meaning in mind, let's read this again. Wherefore, come you out from among them and be you separate, pulled back by boundaries. Things you can do, cannot do, like boundaries on your property. And you go up, your neighbor over there has got a fence that says, no trespassing. You can do what you want to. If I was you, I'd stay on my side of the fence. You never know. They may have a gun aimed right at you. No trespassing. Don't go here. Well, I'm not going to go there myself because in this day and age, people are just looking for an excuse. So I'm going to follow that sign, right? Well, God has no trespassing signs for his people. And the age that we're living in, people don't believe in no trespassing signs when it comes to liberality as far as living for the Lord. But yet, this is what the New Testament church wrote and believed. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you after you live a separated life. God doesn't receive people just because they come to the altar, and I give my heart to Christ, and I put my name on the church book. You're just getting started. You've got something to live out. Now, notice in verse 18, and will be a father unto you after your separation again, not just because you profess to be a believer, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Praise God. Ain't it good to be in church on Wednesday night? How many would like to be remembered tonight before the Lord in prayer? Uh, Sister Alex Goulds is having a gallbladder surgery. I'm going to preach with this prayer cough tonight and remember her. Also, Brother Jim Babb is still having some issues after his surgery. We'll remember our brother and uh, Brother Eugene Kennedy in the hospital today. I went there to see him, and we want to remember him, that God will just strengthen our brother and be with him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are indeed a blessed people. Lord, how many prayers have you answered for us the decades that many of us have served you and lived for you? We thank you, Father. We never want to be like a hog that eats under an apple tree, never has enough sense to even raise its head up and look up toward that tree and have one ounce of gratitude. We don't want to be like a bunch of hogs. We don't want to be like a bunch of people that just turn in our petitions and expect you to meet them and we never take time to say thank you. You've done so much for me, Lord Jesus. If you never answered another prayer, I wouldn't have one thing to complain about if I lived to be a thousand years old. But I know you well enough to know that you'll keep answering, which means I'm going to keep on praising. So as long as I'm immortal, it's an endless cycle. I'm going to keep on praising. You're going to keep on answering. I'm going to keep on praising. You're going to keep on answering. On and on and on we go until I'm changed. 
Lord, we thank you. You answer sometimes in ways that's peculiar to our understanding. You answer sometimes many, many months or maybe years after we've laid the petition before you. But we know that you're mindful. Father, we bring our needs and our requests before you tonight. Lord Jesus, we pray for Alex. You see, Lord, that she's been in the hospital and out a couple of times this week with kidney infection and stones and then this gallbladder. Dear God, I pray you'd be merciful to her, Father. Lord, we call Brother Jim Babb's name before you tonight. You see, Lord, the need of our brother. May you just be with him, Lord. Encourage him, strengthen him, be with him. Also, Brother Eugene Kennedy, Father, you see the need in our brother's body. We're asking you for your grace. Lord, hundreds of hands were uplifted across this place tonight, each of them signifying a request, a desire, a petition. Would you help us tonight, Lord? Would you meet the needs of your children? We love you, Father. Anoint us. Speak through us tonight. May our ears be open to be able to hear the Word of God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Really, when you think about it in the modern age of Christendom, the word separation to most Christians, it wouldn't have a whole lot of meaning because they feel like that they pretty much are saved and they're being a Christian, they're in Christ as they call it. They really don't have to do anything other than just accept Him as their Savior. He's pretty much done everything else for them. They don't have to live a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, uh, lay aside these things. Sanctification, even among the Pentecostal people, which is my background and many of you all, it's uh, pretty much a foregone thing. It doesn't even, it's not even preached much anymore, talked about. Uh, but yet we know that our God is unchanging in His nature and His principles. So whenever God started the early church or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and for the most part, the initial birth of that church was 100% exclusive to the Jews. Then as time began to go on, within a few weeks, Gentiles began to respond. Within a few months, the Spirit of God was poured out on the household of Cornelius. And then a few years goes by, a few more years go by, more and more Gentiles are added. It must have been very difficult for the Gentiles because they begin to embrace uh, the ideology of separation. Being Gentiles, they was not really separate from, from one Gentile to another as far as the clothing or that. It would more have been a cultural separation or a language separation or something between a Greek or a Roman or a Macedonian or something like that. But as far as being separated by new births, it must have been very, very strange. And it was a, no doubt, a learning curve for the church as they began to accept these Gentiles in. And we know that there was actually a council that was held in Jerusalem by the brethren and they had to discuss this. Okay, so the Gentiles are coming in. What do they do? Do they have to be circumcised? Do they keep the law of Moses? What do they do? What do they not do? And it, it was quite a confrontation for the brethren to be able to discuss this. So uh, you're familiar with the letter, of course, that was sent to them and James being the rule of the church. And, and they concluded together that the Gentiles should not eat uh, animals that have been taken in their blood, a few things that they should not do. But for the most part, that the Gentiles were free from the Levitical code. 
But yet, that did not mean that the New Testament church did not live a life that was separate from sinners. Now, it was emerging together now of Jews and Gentiles, which had not been so in the Old Testament. Now, a Gentile could be accepted into the Jewish community if they were what they identified as being a proselyte. And that was that they would accept Judaism and the codes of the ceremonial law, ceremonial worship in the way that they would do all the things. They wouldn't eat this way. They wouldn't mix these diverse kinds of seed. They wouldn't allow to wear a garment that had linen and woolen and the same garment. So the Gentiles we know as Ruth and Rahab, they were called proselytes. But yet there was not a 13th tribe by which the Gentiles would be accepted into that tribe. Most of the Gentiles they found a real acceptance in the tribe of Judah. Judah was the tribe of praise, as you know. So they found a real acceptance among that tribe. But yet, there was still now, when they come to the new births, it was something totally different than just under the Mosaic law of being a proselyte. Now it was more than just the outside, the ceremonial law. God actually wanted the Jews to be known no matter where they were around the world and where they lived. So God gave them the Levitical law that whether they was in the land of the Chaldees, whether they was in Mesopotamia, whether they was in Babylon, whether they were in Rome, whether they was in Greece, whether they was in the land of the Gauls, no matter where they were, if you were around an Old Testament Jew that really kept the Mosaic law to the letter very long, you would know that they were a Jew. Now you would know that by the type of food that they ate. You would know that by the type of clothes that they wore because God told them to do something very peculiar in that that was they would wear what the Levitical law called a riband of blue. That was R-I-B-B-A-N-D. And it was a piece of blue on the bottom of their garment, but it was also made with a fringe. So it was a little piece of fringe, and it was a little riband of blue. So whenever you saw this on a certain person, you knew that they were a Jew. Then also the type of meat that they ate. You never saw them eating uh, certain types of cloven foot animals. You never saw them that they ate with a certain type of chewing their could or a certain type of seafood. They never touched any of that at all. So you would know when you saw them in the garden and you had a fish market or you had some type of market there and you knew these people always. They didn't have to say, hey, I'm a Jew. I don't do this. But you knew it over and over again. They did not eat pork. They did not eat this, that, or the other. And God did this to them because it was their identification of being a separate people. Now, they also was different in the way that they worshipped. And they were also different in the type of people that they married. Now, you know, a Gentile could marry anybody that they wanted to marry. But a real law-keeping Jew, if he really believed the word, could only marry a Jew or a Gentile which had been brought into under the proselyte law where they had accepted the law of Judaism. Now, you remember whenever 
never Ruth actually was married into the economy of God but it was not under the auspices that Salmon or, or taking Rahab and the same thing was Boaz taking Ruth that they did not go out into the world and get a worldly girl and then hope she would become right with God no that's not the way they did it as a matter of fact that's contrary to God's word that's right now some people have done that we know and God by his grace saved their companion but that's not the teaching of the word and you see many folks exalt experience above the teaching of the word just because it worked for this man or this woman that's not what we teach as word teaching people well I done made some of you mad already you see, experience is not what we teach. The Word is what we teach. So a real, a real faithful Jew, they were commanded by God to marry those of their own faith. And as Christians, of course, we know that the same thing was carried over again. Now God actually had this law as we've been looking at it in nature before there was ever any human beings on the earth. God started the law of separation in dealing with the elements that was on the earth. In that God separated the light from the darkness and God called the separation day. And then God called the gathering together of the darkness night. So the law of God's nature of separation was already in existence before there was ever a man on the earth. As a matter of fact, it was already in existence in heaven when Lucifer and his angels fell and God separated them from his economy and Satan went over into the north side of heaven and started preaching and exalted himself above those angels. Now God, once we find as a set of trait and the characteristics of God, God is unchanging. It's not like us just because we're in the Laodicean age and everybody's got soft and lazy. It don't mean that God has. God is the same. He cannot change. Now, we know then that God in this law of separation, that people in their mind, they feel out that somehow the cross has done away with any type of requirement, whether it would be clothes or places to go or nothing is off limits anymore. You can do whatever you want to do. You can listen to country music, rock and roll music, you know, smoke a little bit, drink a little bit, you know, uh, take a little bit of barbiturates and this and that and the other and still be a, a Christian. Well, you might be one by title, but you're not one that's filled with the Holy Ghost. A Holy Ghost filled Christian does not need alcohol. A Holy Ghost filled Christian don't need marijuana. They don't need cocaine. They do not need pornography. They do not need the things of the world. Well, praise God. Now, they will have worldly acquaintances. Now, remember, separation is not isolation. Now, there is a great place for us as the people of God in living in this world and being, being in this world, but yet not being part of it. And no doubt many of you, especially you that work out with business and you work out with people every day, and some of you know of some very nice Christian people. And they treat you, some of them treat you maybe better than some folks you go to church with, and then some so-called message folks. But yet, in reality, when it comes right down to it, you know, there's this place that you 
you could only go so far with a good old Baptist boy or a good old Pentecostal or a good old Methodist or whatever more because you don't believe the same thing. Let's just be honest. They believe in three gods and pray to three and you pray to one. They're baptized in titles and you're baptized in a name. Right, so you can only go so far, but yet separation does not mean that we're such isolationists that we feel like we're the only ones going and that we can't even shake hands with somebody and, you know, acknowledge that they are a Christian and that they, you know, may possibly be there that day because isolationism leads to cultism. Now, that's what makes us in the sense of the danger zone that we've got to be so careful that we become so isolated, so isolated, so pulled off that we become very cultish in our ways. And that's why that there are cults around this message. Brother Branham, never, 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 make sure you say amen to this, Brother Branham never come to start a cult. But some of the men around this message have made cults around this message. But the prophet of God come to turn our hearts right back to the original word of God. So when people say that there's a cult around, well, I agree with them as far as that. There are little cults, always have been and always will be. But it is not the fault of God's prophet. He was not the one that come to cause such stuff. But with this type of message, when we're already pulled out, we're already severed, we're already set apart, you can see that it can tend to be more cultish than it would a denominational thing. Because a denomination, if they hear that you're going that way, they'll boot you out, they'll get rid of the preacher and get another one in, or they'll throw you out of the association. Well, because we don't have an association, because we don't have any overseers and so on, then that makes pastors and preachers to the spot where if they want to form a cult, well, they can. They can form a personality cult, and they may not have nobody following them but a handful of people, but they've just got this little handful of cults. Some people, you know, they've got a church full, others have got a handful. We don't want no cult around here. We want the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why in the world would we settle for a little bit of a little cult when we can have all that heaven has? But you can see now whenever we go to talking about separation that it can tend to lead to isolation when can tend to lead on the other hand to where the little cults and things. And you imagine Brother Brandon preaching the great dynamics of the seven seals. And then when he closes out the seventh seal on the Sunday night, the eighth service, and he closes out with a prayer and he says, God, I pray that you will help them. Whenever Satan would come against them, when they would go to try to raise him up and making cults. You imagine at the end of the seven seals, he knew exactly what he was praying because he knew this type of message would have a tendency to go in such a way. Can Happy Valley say amen? amen. Well, some of y'all might as well say amen because some of y'all have been in cults. Message ones. Well, praise the Lord, I didn't get many amens, but it's the truth anyhow. Now, some of you look back and realize some of the things that you've been in, it really wasn't a word move, it was a personality cult around this man or this doctrine or that idea. Well, hallelujah. That's exactly right. But friends, we don't want to be in that. Why would we want to waste our time in any type of a cult? Let's just get filled with the Holy Ghost and let every fiber of our being so filled with God that God can live His life out of us every day. 
Now, whenever we look at this, then we realize that this is, you agree with me, this is God, part of God's nature to have separation. So then it would have been on the establishment of the Spirit of God that the early church would have started out. Now, initially, you know, you got mainly Jews, you got the converging together of Gentiles, and they've got to work out their differences as far as clothes because you'd go from one part of the country to another. You imagine as Paul went around and he would travel from, 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 from say, Greece and he'd go to Macedonia and then he'd go to the Isles of Capri and he'd go to all these different places and every one of these places had their cultures and they would have their likes and their dislikes about certain things. It must have been a kaleidoscope of what it would have been to present the gospel. So here, instead of Paul going down and listing the do's and the don'ts that would clash from the Macedonians to the Greeks, from the Greeks to the Romans, from the Romans to, you know, the Herodians or whoever more, then Paul put it down in these simple terms that they are to separate from the things of the world. Now, what would be identified as a worldly way or a worldly mannerism to a Macedonian, if he would have listed that by name, the Greeks or maybe the Romans or somebody else said, I don't even understand what the man is talking about. So you can imagine how that the Spirit of God inside of every human heart has to get inside of them and be able to see. Now, some people, I know some people that, you know, maybe had a hippie lifestyle living in the 70s and 80s, and I know a particular brother, he's not around here, but another state several, several miles away from here, and the brother will not wear blue jeans. He will not wear them at all. Never. No. He will not wear them. Because they so associate with the old life that he used to live. There's a preacher friend of mine that will not wear sunglasses. Because when he puts on sunglasses, he says he gets an attitude. Well, when I put on sunglasses, I get relief. But I understand where he's coming from. I admire him being man enough to say that. Praise the Lord. But you see, because now for him to preach that everybody that wears sunglasses has got an attitude, that would be wrong. For the other brother wearing jeans and say, everybody that wears jeans or a jean skirt, it's worldly. No, it's not worldly. But for that brother, apparently it bothers him. Well, if it bothers him, then I would say he probably should not do it. Now, does that mean that is the standard? No, that's not the standard. So you can imagine we find it difficult today because our message is a global message. Well, that's wonderful because it means it's come back to the original way it started in the beginning. Praise the Lord. So it's come back to a global thing. Now, let me just clue you in on something in case you don't know this. Uh, people think that Brother Branham, they want to identify him as a racist. And they want to say that Brother Branham blasted the black people and all that, which is nothing but a bunch of garbage and lies. But in reality, there are more black people who follow this message than there are white people. You take the blacks, you take the Hispanic, and you take all the people of color and mix them all together. You know who the minority is who follows this message? Us white folks. <laughs> I love it, don't you? Isn't that amazing? And yet you got a white prophet. Now, which culturally you'd think is different. But you notice message people now that are just message people and not really born again. They look for a Messiah in the message which will tend to be more of their color or more of their culture. 
Now watch it and there'll be something. That's why that a black man will raise up in the message and you watch how that it'll draw the blacks and it'll draw those of different color. Well, now come on, don't get quiet on me. And the if an intellectual will raise up in the message and you watch the intellectual people and boy, they'll flock around that man, whatever it is, because why? It's something they can relate to naturally. That ain't the way God calls us. God don't call us by us relating to a man's skin color or how educated he is or not educated he is. It's the voice of the Spirit of God we hear calling us. My goodness, friend, it's not the voice of a Kentuckian that I hear when I push these tapes. I hear the voice of Almighty God calling us to a higher wall, don't you? Oh, thank God. But yet for some, it's that cultish way, one of their own culture, one of their own color, one of their own way of thinking, and yet God's, that's not God's way at all. God will use a man that he, oh my, that the majority of the people, it would stumble them. And that's exactly what Brother Ben did. Now, can you imagine if God would use a man like Paul in this day, a man who could speak several languages, a man who was highly educated, very polished, very intellectual. Now, he still had the Holy Ghost, we know. But that kind of a man would have never worked in Laodicea. So what did God use? A hillbilly. A man that never even finished high school, never got a GED, but he got a big G-O-D. Well, praise the Lord. And he would stand in the pulpit and preach and some of his grammar wasn't even proper. Some of his adjectives and adverbs and nouns and pronouns. Now, come on, I'm not picking. I'm just being honest. And yet you have these doctors that sit behind him and these theologians that would sit behind him that were so educated that couldn't even carry his Bible as far as understanding the Word. You imagine how that little, humble, simple man of God would bring things out in the word years ago when I was in Pentecost and there was preachers that would preach certain things and I'd think where do they get that? That is absolutely phenomenal. Where do they get that? And I wondered for years and years until I come to the message and then I found out. Oh boy, and whenever they heard I come to the message, they didn't want nothing to do with me because they was afraid I was going to let everybody know where they was getting their secret sermons. Well, praise God. Come on now, saints. But I'll tell you what kind of man we're following in so much, as many of you maybe have seen it, but there's a video on YouTube of a woman pastor, and this woman pastor is going through the different evangelists and so on, and God told her that William Branham had the greatest ministry of them all. There was none of them like Brother Branham, and what I love about it is, somebody down in the comments down in the bottom of it said, don't you know he preached against women? preachers and yet this woman preacher is having to acknowledge that there was none like him she holds up the the supernatural books one of the books and this other woman preacher of hers God told her to give her another book so you think you know what let them laugh let them make fun let them ridicule us and then you wonder how many of them are sneaking around eating on what little dabs of eagle food they can eat on that won't make them sick Aren't you glad you don't have to sort and cut and clip? And, well, I can't take that. I can't take that. I can't take that. You can just push play and keep right on going. Well, hallelujah. Hey, 
Amen. Well, don't cut your hand. You say, praise God. Amen. Don't wear britches. Amen. You women, yell the pulpit. Amen. But what does God do? Just because people announce that Brother Branham was a great servant of God, does that mean they believe what he taught? Absolutely not. So they will acknowledge that and God makes them acknowledge it. But yet do they want to be separated to follow the gospel that he preached? Absolutely not. Now they do want the anointing. Oh yes, they want the anointing. And according to this woman preacher, God told her a great revival was coming and it's going to be under the anointing of William. Branham and oh my this is going to happen that's going to happen I just smile like a coon sitting there eating blueberries because I thought it's going on right now woman it's going on right now that Elijah thing is right here we feed on it every week <laughs> we go to Elijah church come on saints these are the days of Elijah Amen. We're not just wanting the anointing to be able to lay hands on the sick. We want the teaching of Elijah. We're not just looking for something that'll make us well. We're looking for something that'll make us young again. But for the most part, will the world separate to this? Of course not. They cannot. Now, let us go on. Watch this. I love the way that Brother Renham deals with this and in the message called Oneness in 1962. If you haven't heard it in a while, it'd do you good to listen to it. He said God had to separate Cain's people from Seth's people. He sent Cain away. He separated them so he could deal with his church. Watch. Cain was separated. Now watch. God separated Eve's evil Cain from Adam's holy Seth. So God put a mark on Cain and sent him to the land of wandering or Nod. Wandering. So he is now wandering, looking around, trying to find peace, trying to find this, that, and the other. But God's main reason for doing it was to be able to separate these two seed lines and the work of separation started on the outside again. But never remember, it was already going on. Notice he said God separated Eve's evil came from Adam's holy set. Oh, did he do it? Through an unawful act, this woman living with somebody else brought a child. God separated that child and his generations from this righteous and holy man, his children. It's the same thing today. Separating, separated, found them. They were not in unity. They could have no unity. Now, how could Cain and Seth go to the same church? Seth believed in worship by blood. Cain brought watermelons, pumpkins, taters, cantaloupes, cucumbers, all his works. I fed the widow. I've done this. I do that. I've done that. And Seth said, I've done nothing. I'm a recipient of the grace of God. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy. 
How could they go to the same church? They couldn't. How could they even believe the same thing? They couldn't. How could they even live in very close proximity to each other? They could not, so God separated and divided them. Now remember, I'm going to prove this to you that this is a principle of God. It's the same thing today. Can a man who believes in all the Word of God have a unity with them who just believes part of the Word of God? God wants separators. Now I realize this is a very difficult message since we're living in the age of Laodiceans when most Laodiceans are mixers. So you pour in a little bit of perversion of homosexuality and you pour in a little bit of lesbianism and a little bit of gayism and a little bit of socialism and a little bit of this and that and the other and you mix it all together, what do you got? Laodicean church age. Well, you got the church the same way. Well, come as you are. We do not discriminate. No matter what sexuality, you don't even have to know what sex you are. You can be a him or a shim or a fam or a whim. You know, you can be a woman today and a man tomorrow. We don't care. Well, we do. Well, our God is neither male nor female. Well, you've got a heathen God. Our God is masculine. Amen. Our God ain't a woman. Come on, saints. I said our God ain't a woman. And it is not being discriminatory to be able to say he and she in God's holy word. That's right. So can we be able to fellowship and be able to walk together out here with the world? No. And we bring it on down. For the most part, as we get closer to the end, we're going to find ourselves further divided inside of our own ranks because of the divisions that are there. How can a cultist person around this message really walk hand in hand with the Holy Ghost filled saint of God? You can't. And you certainly shouldn't marry him. You ain't going to have nothing but problems. Well, praise the Lord. Here we go. Now, watch this. Can a man who believes in all the Word of God have a unity with them who just believes part of the Word of God? God wants separators. Cain's evil children would corrupt Seth's good children. Now, what I find is amazing about this element of the negative part that God emphasizes the power of the negative so much in the Old Testament. That God told the children of Israel, when you go into their land, don't let your sons marry them evil women because they will overpower them. Now you think this is overwhelming since the man is supposed to be the stronger sex. And yet God warned them over and over again, do not marry unbelievers. Now, I realize this is accepted in the age we live in. I realize it's accepted by some of you compromising message people that you think it's quite all right for our boys and our girls to marry Baptists and Methodists and Pentecostals or whatever more. You're off the word. It's not acceptable. It's wrong. I said it's wrong. Ooh. Is it just me or is it hot in here? Cain's evil children would corrupt Seth's good children. Well, now, wait a minute. Isn't good more powerful? Isn't good more powerful than evil? Oh, I got you thinking, ain't I? That's right. Now watch. And the same old devil that caused Eve to disbelieve one word of God and told them to separate themselves from one another and to live different, each one 
That same devil got among them and brought them together again. What happened? How did he do it? The sons of God said the Bible in Genesis, seeing the daughters of men, sons of God, Seth's children, so the daughters of men, Cain's children, how pretty they were, uh-huh. And what did they do? They fell for them. And they united themselves together again because of beauty that they were fair to look upon. Now what? So God divided them. Now we know, of course, that God's law, as I said, it's unchanging. This part never, never changed from the Old Testament to the New. Now look in Genesis chapter 6 verse 2. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And they took them wives, or in the Hebrew it is women, without marrying them actually. They took unto them women. Now watch how it said the sons of God. So here now we have two separate bloodlines. So the sons of God were the sons of Seth. And they were still called sons of God because the seed line had not been mixed yet. But that's fixing to change. The sons of God saw the daughters of men. So here's two separate bloodlines. You agree? The daughters of men were the daughters of Cain. And the sons of God were the sons of Seth. I hope you understand. It was actually the sons of God that brought the flood on the earth. That's what the prophet tells us. It was the backslidden sons of God that brought the judgment of God on the earth. Now notice, they looked to them and they were fair. And they took them wives, all of which they chose. Now they didn't pray about this thing. They didn't sort through this and say, you know what? We better stay away from them women. They're worldly as all get out. Look at them. They do this and that and the other. Look how they dress and look what they do. But the Bible said they took as they chose and said of praying about it. Now, Father, should I do this? Which you can see why they wouldn't pray about it because they knew the answer. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives, all of which they chose. Now notice God's response to their choosing. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. All right, now we have a dispensational change. Up to this time, people have lived. They're still living now when this has been written in Genesis 6. 900 years old. 969, Methuselah, which his name means uh, before the deluge, he will disappear. And Methuselah died just some time right before. It's amazing when you take the chronology of those ages and how they lived. Adam, 930 years old. And yet God, God prophesies and says, I am going to change the lifespan of man. Then, of course, it went from that down to three score and ten. And we're doing good if we live that now. And if we do, we'll be sick. We'll have our gallbladder removed. And one of our eyes took off. One of our hands took off. All kinds of valves and all kinds of we're, we're metal. We're plastic. We're polyurethane, polyethylene. All, no wonder we need a body change. You imagine God taking your polyurethane gizzard and liver and whatever more in the rapture. <laughs> but friends, we need a change. Now once there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. Now the Bible uses several words actually for the word giant, Nephthalim and giant. There were giants, notice now there were giants and then after that there were giants. Oh my. 
So the giants were on the side of the serpent's seed. Because the serpent was a big fellow. Handsome. Right? Now notice the way Moses write this. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that. Now the sons of God go into the daughters of men. And then in their union, the DNA coming from the Canaanitish women. It also produces more giants. Which are half message and half denominational. Oh man, also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. Notice it don't say they were married. But they came in unto them. Now you adults understand. They came in unto them and they bare children to them. So they were free lovers. So they just lived with this one, lived with that one. Sounds like Elizabeth and Johnson City, Bristol, Kingsport. Come on, friends, we're living in a world where people are lower than animals. People will shack up. They don't want to get married no more. Don't you understand where it's coming back to? Andalusian destruction, but this time fire, not water. So when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So they came into their houses, into their chambers, and they lay with them, and they became mighty men. Now they were big men in stature, and they were also great men in strength, power, tyranny, and also oppression. So they were not just men of great size, but they were men that became very, very aggressive. They became men that wanted to control. So they became men of renown. Look at this Hebrew word. It is geboredom, which we render mighty men, signifies properly conquerors, heroes from Gabor. Now this is it's amazing because this is one of the compound names of God, El Gabor, the mighty conqueror. So these men were mighty men because they were conquering. So they were called also men of the name. So they are Gabar, men of the name. Now it means that they were twice named. So they were named, say, Jim, the son of Donnie, John, the son of Bill. But then that was the name they were born with. But then the great deeds and the great victories and the great things that they done, they got another name. That they were renowned and they were mighty men. Sounds like about these sports stars. You know, imagine some man getting some kind of contract, hundred and some million, three hundred and some million, to throw a ball or catch a ball. There ain't no human being worth that kind of money. And yet people will worship them. Well, sure they do. They know more about the baseball stats than they do scriptures. They can quote more baseball stats and football stats and, and whatever more than they can quote. Preach, Brother Donnie. They can tell you about this guy. He did an RBI and an IBR and a YOT and a 30504. Boy, Brother Donnie, you sure don't know nothing about that. You know what? You're right. And I agree with you. I'm going to put my intellect of something that will change our bodies. How many RBIs do you figure will help you in the body change? How 
many, how many guys, oh, this guy done so-and-so on the baseball and he kicked a home run. I don't guess they kick home runs, does it? Anyway, he kicked a touchdown and run down through there. You reckon that'll help you one inch whenever your body's changed? You reckon that'll change one gray hair out of your body? So these men were twice named great preachers. I mean, I mean, great men. Gabors. Hybrids. Half sons of message and half bastard born. Denominational hybrids. Any man that adds to this message, you understand how serious this is? The prophet of God tells us a man that will add one word of his own interpretation after, after a message, after it's been vindicated to be the truth, is total annihilation and eternal separation from God. Oh, Brother Don, let's read between the lines. I'm doing good to give folk, to give folks to live the lines. Much less between them. If I can get you all up to doing the lines, then we'll think about between them. But i got enough sense to know if there's anything between the lines, it can't say nothing different than what the lines say. I'll tell you what I found. A lot of these guys between the lines are lying. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Boy, that's a good one. Now notice, so their daring exploits were so great and so tremendous. Notice, there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them and the same became mighty men who were of old, men of renown or men of the name. So their names were mentioned and all oh, they were so talked about and they were so great and they were just so outstanding and they conquered and they done this and that and the other. And where did they come from? Sons of Seth, living lustful relationship with the daughters of Cain. Well, praise God. Notice verse 5, and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Notice, Brother Bram said, the same old devil that caused Eve to disbelieve the word of God and done her evil come right back around and took the children of Seth and let them see them pretty women of Cain and they united again. They was not infidels. They were not communists. No, no, they were. Believers. They said, now perhaps maybe the Lord might do something. Or all this like that. You know, they, they thought that they were doing what was right. What did God have to do? Wipe the whole thing off. So God had them separated. Satan brought them back together. So God said, there's only one thing. I can do. Separate. And God separated every other human being from Noah and his family. Can you imagine how hard it must have been whenever Noah heard the door shut behind him and he heard some of his cousins, his nephews, 
Seth's seed. Seth's seed. Lord Jesus. He had to send such a flood and destroy the whole bunch. Judgment come on for the false union. Judgment struck Eden because of a false union. Now did the serpent has a seed, he said, shame on you. Now think how dangerous, friends, that a false union is. Look at God's reaction. God brought the Andaluvian destruction upon the earth because of a false union. Can I go on? Notice again, a false union brought judgment on the earth to Eve and Adam and Eden. And a false union brought the floods of God's judgment on the earth because the daughters of Cain flirted, flirted with the sons of God and they fell for it and united together again. There you are, false union. Nothing could happen. What did God do? He destroyed the whole thing. All but precious old Noah and his family. So here they land on Mount Ararat in Armenia. For several years, they stay on the mountain. They actually go down into the valleys and they start tilling, cultivating. Then as the population of the earth starts expanding. Now remember, the seed was brought over on the ark. And we remember when Noah come out and he planted a vineyard and got drunk. Two of his sons saw him laying there uncovered. You remember the Bible story. But Ham, his other son, came in, ridiculed, made fun. Moses leaves it in a, in a mysterious form in the way that he puts it. But somehow it was in disrespect to the prophet Noah. But the two other sons actually walked backwards and put a garment on them and they cover their father. Then when Noah woke and he realized what his younger son had done unto him, then said Noah, cursed be Canaan. Now isn't this so peculiar because it was not Canaan who did this? But Ham. But Canaan was Ham's son. After which the land of Canaan is going to be named. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. And blessed be Japheth. For he shall enlarge his tents. And he will dwell in the tents of Shem. Now, actually, Shem was not the firstborn. Oh, I'm giving you a lot of study on that. Shem was not the firstborn, but by divine chronology, God puts him first over and over again by birthright. What's Noah prophesy about the Gentiles coming in to Shem's tent? 
praise God. That through this the Gentiles, Japheth of course being the father of the Gentiles, and of course they went up into Russia and Europe and all them places there. But he said there will come a time when Japheth will be able to be under the tents of Shem. I mean, oh, the word Shem, all close word, they got the word Semite. Abraham was a Semite. So from the lineage of Shem, and remember here they live up in the mountain and then they go down in the valley and then it begins to expand and expand and expand. And then the further down they go, they head towards Shinar. And when they head towards Shinar over in what we know today would be Babylon or Iraq, there it was that they begin to expand. And what is the devil's idea? To reunite them again after the flood. Make them come together. Can't you see young people why your mom and daddy and the ministers of the church and brother West will tell you be careful who you hang around with. Be careful who you're with because you can be so affected. Not only young people but old people as well. Now notice then it was a false union that threw Adam and Eve out of the garden of Eden. Eve uniting with the serpent. A false union that caused the Andaluvian destruction. A false union is what Satan will bring in the last days when the Catholic Church will take every denomination and lead it right to the mark of the beast. Oh my. Notice the prophet goes on and he says, they fell for it. They united together again. There you are, a false union. Nothing could happen. What did God do? He destroyed the whole thing, all but precious Noah. Again, after that, after the death of Noah, that spiritual family of Noah, the first thing you know, the children of men begin to look on one another again. What did they do? They said, now we're not infidels. We all believe in God. So they got a fellow, some leader, some great archbishop by the name of Nimrod. And Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now watch how it is with man that they're always looking for a Messiah. They're always looking for a leader. Oh my, which is nothing wrong with that as long as you're looking for the right leader. But what is Satan's agenda, Brother Terry, to do the same thing he done in previous generation? And that is to get the people to unite. If he can get them to unite, it will force God to bring judgment against his own children. Don't you understand why the children of Israel have been so cursed down through the ages? Satan could not do that. God said, whoever blesses you, I'll bless them. Whoever curses you, I'll curse them. But God said, if you leave me, if you leave my word, I'll drive you out. I'll make you like your enemies. I'll do this and I'll do that. And Satan said, that's all I've got to do. All I've got to do is use the promise of God against them. If I can get them to join up with the world, if I can get them to compromise, not deny that there is a God, don't get away and totally refute that there is an existence of God, but mix God with other things. Mix God with other idols. And oh yes, still still love the Lord Jesus. Still go to church when you want to, but just have other idols in your life. Praise God. My, so they're not infidels. Notice he said, they believed there was a heaven. They believed there was a hell. They believed in judgment. But the children of God were the daughters of men again. And they made themselves a union falsely. And built a great big cathedral, a great big organization. All the other places to babble was to pay tribute to it. 
So Noah and his family landing there, and here they come out of that. Satan started with another union again. Oh my. Bring them up from the valley of Shinar and comes right to the very place to start was the very seat of his kingdom on the earth. Notice Genesis 11.1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east. From the east. That they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Now they're moving from the original landing of the ark, the word. And they're moving and they're going. Notice when they go, there is a unity that comes among them. Notice what they say, verse 3. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them truly. And they had brick for stone and slime. Had they for mortar? What is it? They're all getting together again. Well, surely this is what God wants us to do. We're all believers. We believe in heaven. We believe in hell. We believe in judgment. We better build us a tower. So if there comes another flood, we'll run right up this tower and we'll be safe. And they said, go to. Let us build us a city and a tower. Who's top? may reach into heaven. And let us make, uh uh-oh, watch man. Let us make a reputation for ourselves, a name. Lest we be scattered abroad. Uh Uh-oh. Now who are they throwing this at? God. They know God's way. God's way is to separate and scatter his. So they said, we don't want to, no, 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 no. We, we don't want this to happen again now. We, we've got to fix this. We, we're going to be scattered everywhere. You know, we just wanted to go. All of us can come together. We all believe the same thing. Well, I want to tell you one thing. If you believe the same thing most of these people out here believe, get ready because you're going to the tribulation period. Well, Brother Donnie, I've visited around some of these other churches. They believe the same thing we do. You're out of your mind. Either that you ain't listening to nothing I say or nothing they say. One, you're asleep in one service or the other. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm saying it to be the truth. Let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. Now think, children, you know who's building this? The descendants of the prophet Noah. This is not too many years after the ark has landed on Ararat. So here we have the prophet's own descendants building a tower. Oh, I know we always get sticky when we get here, but I can't help it. I'm sorry you never thought of that before, but it's the truth. Now, they're doing this for two reasons. They want a name for themselves, and they want this something that they can all rally around, this denominational headquarters. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this that they begin to do now, nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. 
go to. Let us go down. And there confound their language. That they may not understand one another's speech. So all of a sudden, everybody shows up one day to work. And this guy starts speaking Greek, and this one Aramaic, and this one English, and this one Spanish, and this one Cree, and this one Creole. And I mean, they're just, they're just one another. I said, what in the world? And they're just so confused. And they what in the world? What is going on? I mean, we all worked together yesterday. That was before his trip. I'm glad when he comes down, he can do one of two things. He can bring languages which confuse... Or it can interpret the handwriting on the wall and let you know what area you're living in. Praise be to God. Oh my, we didn't know what to believe. We didn't know what to do. We wasn't sure which way was to heaven or whatever more until he come down in this day. <laughs> and when he come down with the opening of them seals, it made the way to heaven so plain. Praise be to God that we can see where we come from. We can see where we're going. Is that right? Why? Because he came down. It depends on when he comes what he brings you. So you know what God did? God just calls him to divert and divide. Well, here was some people speaking Spanish and some speaking Greek and some speaking English and some speaking Aramaic and some speaking, you know, all these different languages. And all of a sudden they realize and they hear this guy way over here and they understand what he's saying. Sort of like they Pentecost in reverse. So this guy way back over there, he understood what this guy was saying. So they all, they could speak the same language. They started getting together, so they just all dispersed and went everywhere. Well, the Hebrews went this way, the Galaic went that way, the Macedonians went that way. What? By their language. So you were identified in that day by what you talked. Woo! Praise be to God. Amen. It's the same way today, my brother. It's the same way today, my sister. Notice. So the Lord scattered them. Here we go again. The very thing they said they didn't want to happen. God didn't bring a shortage of slime. God didn't bring a shortage of brick. But God confused their language. So that they could hear one another, but they couldn't understand one another. And those that understood one another started going to church with one another. And they started living together. Don't you see what God's doing? God is separating. God is separating. He's got an Arphaxad. He's got all these others, an Eber. He's got an Abram. He's got all them that he's got to get in one area because they talk the same talk. They talk the same language. Remember in the Old Testament when the children of Israel, when they come up to a certain place and they had a password. Well, there's certain tribes of the children of Israel couldn't say that password. So they have them say shibboleth. Well, certain tribes of the children of Israel couldn't say shibboleth. They'd say shibboleth. Dead giveaway. So whenever they'd come up, they'd say, say shibboleth. Say shibboleth. Say, your head's cut off. Why? They couldn't say it the right way. Don't you understand? It's the same way now. People say, oh, I'm saying what the tapes say. Really? You're saying what the tapes say and you don't think the seven seals is open? You're saying Sibboleth, not Shibboleth. <laughs> Praise be to God. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Brother Branham was God. Oh, no, he wasn't. He was a man of God with God in him, but he sure wasn't God. You're not saying Shibboleth. Come on, saints. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We're in the eighth day and we need an eighth day messenger. Oh, no. That ain't what the word says. You're saying Sibboleth and not Shibboleth. But the bride says there's only seven ages and the rapture comes in the seventh age and we don't need another prophet. We don't need another messenger. We've got what we need on the earth now to get us ready for a body change. Shibboleth. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. Guess what happened? Stop their building program. <laughs> Well, you imagine one of the architects is now speaking French. And this other guy, I mean, he, you know, he, he was one of the main ramrods of say the mortar. He was now speaking Spanish. They could no longer communicate. He said, how did, I mean, I said Jimmy Chang got taco burrito. I mean, you know. <laughs> the other guy said, French toast, French fries. That's all the French I know. So it was such an uproar. It interrupted everything so bad, they had to stop construction. <laughs> Brother, sister, don't he know how to fix stuff? Amen. So what did he do? He divided them and sent them in different parts of the earth. So here goes these ones. From Shem to Arphaxad to Eber. And then there was a man whose name was Abram. And God called unto Abram and said, Go out from your father's house. Leave your country to the place I've called you to. What was it? Separate. Every son and daughter of Abraham is called to be separated. Not isolation. Separation. You see, only God can help us to rightly divide this to where we're actually separated, but not isolated. If we are separated and it turns into isolation, then we cannot fulfill what Jesus says in Matthew. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill, which cannot be hid. So for isolationists, and then we pull our light, we pull our truth, we pull all of that in, we'll never shed it to nobody. So we are separate but shining separatist. Amen. Witnessing separatist. Praise Amen. God. Let the world know there's a better way to live. Don't you love him? Praise be to God. Let's read verse 9. Therefore is the name of it called Babel. Because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. The prophet said God separated again and he sent out good old righteous Abraham. I'll just take you and make a nation out of you. God separated him. Come out from among them, Abraham. Leave everything behind. God never blessed him. Till it left everything. And Lot was the last. Come out, Abraham. 
Separate yourself from them unbelievers. And I'm going to take you and make a nation out of you. I'll make a people that'll keep my commandments. I'm going to give them another chance. We'll pick this up next time, Lord willing. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. What's God doing? Same thing. Separating. Did the early church believe in separation? This is their heritage. It was based upon separation. Then us Gentiles come in and they had to try to teach us how do we separate and not isolate? How do we do? Do we we all have to dress like Jews? Do we all have to not eat any more bacon and pork chops? Well, Brother Joel starved to death, wouldn't he? Oh, you mean mean we can't? We got to act like Jews and we got to put prayer garments on. We got to wear a shawl and a robe and no, 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 no. No, you don't have to do that. Stay away from the world in Macedonia, the world in Rome, the world in Gaul. The world and wherever it is, whatever form, in your culture, in your way, in your background. Separate yourself from the world. But be a light. Because there might be another seed working right by you. And if you're an isolationist, you'll never even talk to them. Because you'll feel ungodly and unclean to say one thing to them. But let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Praise God. Well, thank the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd make it more clear to our hearts. We know for the most part, Lord, as far as just dress and appearance, it will always be our sisters that will catch most of the eyes and the sarcasm and the looks and others in Cracker Barrel or Walmart or wherever they're at and women standing or sitting talking and one will put their hand over their mouth and looking at our daughters and our wives and our children talking and saying things. But Lord, we can expect that. We expect it because it's from a world that's veiled in darkness. Lord, they don't realize that their grandmothers years ago would have never wore men's breeches to Crackerboro. Many of these Methodists and Baptist people that laugh at us now, their grandmas would turn over in their grave if they seen their granddaughters wearing shorts to church. If John Smith wept because the Baptist people were wearing wedding rings, what would he do now, Lord? What would he do when they break and let the pastor go out, him and the deacons, and take a cigarette smoke and then come back in for part two of the service? What would John and Charles Wesley think of the Methodist church now when they come very, very close to voting in the the gays, the clergy? And it looks like, Lord, that they're heading for a split because the liberals and the Methodist church wanted the gays in so bad. What would they say about their church? But, Lord, we're in an age of mixers. So they take in lesbians, they take in homosexuals, they take in all these things and just mix it all together. And they're making a big soup of pottage for the tribulation period. But, Lord Jesus, you're still the same God that's calling to your people and say, come out of her, my people. Come out of her. 
and be separate, saith the Lord, and I'll receive you unto myself. Lord, they don't realize the same call that we're hearing now that's calling us to live a separate life. That call will come very, very soon. It'll call again and it'll say, come out of time, my people. Come out of your mortality. Glory be to God. The same voice that called us to this message ain't going to just call us to be under the Elijah anointing, but it's going to call us to a new body. Praise God. Lord, I don't regret it now. We sure won't on that day. May you help each of us, Father. May we walk in harmony with the voice of God as it calls to us now. That is the surest sign that we know we're going in the rapture because our lives are being quickened by the word. When we're shown that we're doing something wrong, we line up. When we see we're believing something wrong and it's proved to us by the word, we lay it aside. If we're doing something wrong and the Spirit of God quickens after our hearts, we repent, Lord, I'm sorry. That's the surest sign we can have. Our bodies are being quickened into obedience to that word. So the rapture is the final quickening. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us, I pray, Lord. Help us. Being separationist, help us, Lord, to love. Help us not to be isolationist or cultist. Help us, Lord Jesus, to love as you loved. Help us, Father, to love the sinner, but hate the sin. Help us, dear God, to be able to be a, apart from the world, yet to love the people of the world, to be able to pray for them, to be able to shine our light, dear God. It's, it's a, such a delicate balance, Lord, that we do not let ourselves be influenced by the world and, and trying to shed our light, so-called, and trying to show love, so-called. Help us, Father, to be able to find where if we're not careful, we'll try to show what we think is love and we're compromising on the truth. Help us, Lord, to find that delicate balance, dear God. It's so scary, Lord, especially when we look at it tonight that the prophet said, them sons of God flirting with them daughters of Cain, and they thought they was all right by doing so. God, help us. Help our young people to understand, Father, I'm not trying to be mean to them. Their mom and dad's not trying to be mean to them. Oh, God, we're trying to help them. We're trying to save them a life of hell by marrying some unbeliever. Lord, winding up as some man or some woman, dear God, that will sow constant conflict in the home. Help them, Lord Jesus, to say if they have to wait 10 more years, it'll be worth the wait to find a genuine son or daughter of God than hook up with some infidel or some unbeliever that'll cause them nothing but hell on earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you tonight for separation, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let the world laugh at us. Let them say we're in prison walls. But it's funny how you can look at the same thing and call it two different things. We look down from the tops of these walls and we say, these ain't prison walls. They're castle walls. Praise God. It's the castle walls of separation of the divine nature of God. We're not prisoners. We could walk out at any time. We could leave at any time. The gates aren't shut. We're not chained in here. We're held by chains of love. We're not fettered. We're not held out of fear. Praise God. We could lie. We could run around. We could do all of that if we wanted to. But we don't want to. Praise God. We love you, Jesus. 
Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we just raise our hands for a few moments before we go? Oh, praise God. Children, don't you appreciate real godly separation? Real, true separation by the Word of God that separates us and calls us out? Think of where pretty much when you look out here at the world and people will tell you they're a Christian, you think, really? Really, you're a Christian? They just told a dirty joke or they just put out a cigarette or just dropped a beer or, you know, whatever more they've done. And that, that, that's a modern-day Christian? That is a modern-day Laodicean Christian until they find out you're a Christian then they may quit cussing, you know, and they'll, they'll go a little bit different direction. Why? Wow, they changed all of a sudden. They got real religious on you. Think, if it was not for the grace of God, that could be you. That could be you. Instead of you leaving after church and going through McDonald's and getting you a hamburger after church, you could be going through a drive-thru liquor store and getting you some liquor. Or hitting up somebody out here for a joint of marijuana or something else and still claiming you're a Christian on your way to heaven. But God has helped you to see that is not the life of a child of God. Aren't you glad? Oh, sisters, I know it's hard on you. Your hair, your dress, you young people, I know that. But wear it as a daughter of God. Don't hang your head in shame. Wear that crown of thorns. Let the Lord Jesus be exalted in your life by the way you live. Amen, brothers? We're proud of them, are we not, brothers? We're proud of our sisters. That's exactly right. Go ahead, give them a hand. Praise the Lord. They overcome more than a man does. Amen. God bless you. Let's sing something together, Harry. Aren't you happy to be in the house of God? Praise the Lord. Turn around and shake hands with somebody and tell them it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Now, if you knew all this already tonight, you just bear with me because apparently a few folks didn't, so he wanted me to preach it to them. So, I trust you was blessed. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to be ready. Oh, I do, Lord. I want to be ready to go. Oh, Oh, let the bride sing it now. I want to be ready. Oh, yeah. I want to be ready.
Yeah. Uh-huh.